Landon for the Hi, so we're here for, with Ronnie Landis with the Holistic Human Optimization Show, which is going to be his, which is his new podcast and his new live show. And Ronnie Landis is an expert in holistic health and human optimization. He has a background in martial arts and sports and fuses it with his understanding of alchemy and holistic health and nutrition and traditional Chinese medicine and herb and herbs and hormonal health. He's the author of two amazing books to help with your health and human potential. Um, one of them is called the Holistic Health Mastery Program. That's his first book. It's just filled with tons of information on how to heal from inside out. And his second book is the Inner Alchemy Youthening Program. And so that book shows you how to activate your potential for healing, inspired living, and manifesting heaven on earth. I'm Christina Rendon. I'm co-hosting this question and answer um, topic for today. And I am an energy healer. I'm, an, I'm a writer and an author. And I am also a meditation guide. And so I'm excited to be interviewing you, Ronnie. I'm excited that, that we're here together, and thank you so much, Christina, for taking the time. And um, I just always love whenever we, we pair our minds and hearts together, and always some incredible conversations, content, information comes out of it. So I'm excited to uh, dive in headfirst with you and explore some of these questions that people have been asking um, over in the Holistic Health Mastery Group and other people online have submitted over time. I'm super excited to now use this platform, this podcast, and also pairing it with Facebook Lives and YouTube to be able to multi-purpose this incredible content for people all over the world, no matter what devices or what platforms they may be using. So um, I'm excited to dive right in. Yeah, me too. So I want to mention also, Ronnie created the Holistic Health Mastery Program, which is an online course, which I've gone through. It's super comprehensive around holistic health and healing and uh, many of the students have been submitting questions so this is an opportunity for us to answer those questions and if you have any questions please feel free to leave them on the facebook live and we will get to them super comprehensive around holistic health and healing or another question and answer session so yeah um one of the first questions that was submitted is a really big topic. I feel like a lot of people have been coming to me and coming to Ronnie and asking us about having serious symptoms and having exposure to mold and having symptoms from that or having something that's showing up as Lyme disease. And so we have somebody asking for recommendations for healing the biotoxin illness such as mold and Lyme disease. <clears throat> okay, um, cool. So um, to go really in depth on a question like that would require a little bit of context in terms of that individual's specifics, but just to talk about the topic of biotoxins as it relates to um, mold disease, fungal infections, um, any, type, any type of pathogenic infections, but typically having to do with mold and fungus. And then also this topic of Lyme 
disease. That's a whole big topic in of itself. I have talked in depth about that and its relationship, its, its theoretical relationship to calcification, which is, in my opinion, the cousin of Lyme disease because Lyme disease basically has to do with what's called biofilm infections. And biofilm infections are a type of bio, um, what was the word we were, what was the word that was used? Um, biotoxicity. Um, yeah, biotoxicity is basically biological toxins. What that, basically, let's unpack that for a second. What biological toxins or biotoxins are, are metabolites that get produced from infections, basically. So if you think of like candida or a, um, a fungal infection or a viral infection or a bacterial infection, what we know is that it's not actually the, the organism like the bacterial organism, the fungal organism, or the viral organism, or even the parasite in of itself that causes the issues. It's the off-gassing or the, basically the poop that the metabolites that they produce and leave off into the circulatory system, into the lymphatic system, into the body, and then that's actually what gunks up the system and creates a fermentation, and that's what we call a biotoxin. So when somebody has candida, for example, or has mold infections, maybe they have black mold in their mm -hmm. house, or um, they have a yeast infection, or some, some kind of like systemic infection that's just kind of become chronic or acute, then that there's basically a fermentation that gets created in the body. And th there's like mold spores that get produced from that and go off into the circulatory system. And somebody with an infection like that will typically have something like a brain fog and so if somebody has brain fog and they just have this chronic frequent occurrence of just like fogginess in their brain, they can't think straight, they're getting like very irritable, they're in a sympathetic dominant state, which means that their, their nervous system is basically agitated all the time, they can't relax, they get, can't get like parasympathetic, um, you know, balanced sleep, um, they can't rest and recover then that, that a lot of times has to do with the, the um, biotoxins that, that we're talking about. So I just want to, I just want to point that out because people can get very confused, like biotoxins, environmental pollution, xenoestrogens, heavy metals, um, you know, all these different things, all these different variations in terminology for, for different types of toxins. This is basically where somebody has some kind of infection Lyme disease, since that got brought up, is basically an infection, right? That's why I believe that Lyme disease and calcification conditions are like cousins to one another because the biofilm infections, which are basically like bacterial infections that encase themselves in a particular material that hide from the immune system, so the, the immune system actually can't get a handle on the actual infection because it cases itself in in this this um, thick type of material. Same thing with calcification conditions. There's basically an excess of calcium that has armored itself around the infection, and the white blood cells cannot actually get through it. So in order to deal with something like that, it's a little bit of a longer conversation around how to break down the biofilm or how to break down the calcification walls and how to extract that material, how to chelate it out of the body 
how to how so so it's not floating around right because that can create an issue if you're doing too much detoxification or too much um whether it's systemic enzymes it's um seropeptase enzymes or or whatever the other case may be high doses of fulvic acid or other other designer detox products that really go and eliminate these these hardened layers of sedimentary material if there's no chelation strategy to pull that stuff out as you're breaking it down, then it can retoxify the body. It can go into the joints. It can go into the arteries. It can go into the kidneys and get stuck and cause a further, a further issue. That makes sense, right? So yeah. yeah, I feel like that's really important to consider. A lot of like people, when they start detoxing, they start feeling worse, and that has to do with the all the sediment and all the toxins that are getting released and right. getting circulated back into the system. So it's very important to um, be guided on an actual protocol that allows the toxins to be excreted and released in a, yeah. in a good manner. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's a, it's a sophisticated approach, right? We don't, we don't really have the time or the context to go into like the deep and depths of that. That's why I've laid that out in my book, The Inner Alchemy Youthening Program. There's an entire chapter on calcification, actually, because about five or six years ago, this subject became absolutely critical for my focus because I, I, I know what it's like to have knee injuries and joint issues and, and have to be sidelined from life because of the chronic inflammation that's building up, the fire in the, the joints. And and the damage that can get done because of that. And I've actually healed multiple knee surgeries um, because of this information. So I actually chronicled um, well-proven, well-established decalcification protocols that people can look up more in my book, The Inner Alchemy Youthing Program. Um, but it's very similar to, to Lyme disease or biofilm. I, I don't want to say Lyme disease. I don't, wanna, I don't want to point to that because that's its own subject. That's a whole different thing. I'm not here prescribing any kind of cure all or, or curing anything. That's not what we're here to talk about. This is just providing edutainment and information. And this is entirely spiritual based information because if you don't feel good in your body, then your spirit has no room to move around. And um, so take this like spiritual information, right? This has nothing to do with healing the body or, or anything like that. Just got it. We just got to put that out there. We just got to say that this is entirely yeah, that's a big part of, spirituality when we feel good in the body we can use it as a vessel to manifest what we want to our purpose in life that's so an that's, entire point so i just want to i just want to conclude this thread of thought because the question wasn't super specific so i i kind of i could go on a little bit of a tangential but the last thing i'll mention and maybe it'll come up later in our conversation depending on what the questions are is you need something to mop up the residual biotoxins and any other potential toxins like um, xenoestrogens, like plasticizers and phthalates and um, PCBs, polycarbonates and um, heavy metals that are being spewed in our environment, like whether it's their marisol from vaccines, it's methyl or ethyl mercury, it is um, cesium, which is, which is due to radioactive contamination in our environment. It's tritium. Um, it's it's whatever, whatever these environmental toxins are that are getting into our system. Um, we need, we need um, certain detox strategies to be able to mop them up. So activated charcoal 
is absolutely incredible because it's adsorbative and it's one of the most well-proven, well-established and least expensive detoxification tools that we have available to us. It's universal. Everybody can take advantage of it. And basically what it does, it is a, it has a negative magnetic polar charge, which basically means that it, it attracts to itself, it magnetizes to itself what's called positively charged um, toxins. And basically all those things that I just mentioned, including pathogens, including the metabolites produced from these infectious organisms have a positive charge and our body needs to stay relatively negatively charged. Another word, I want to make a quick distinction because this is absolutely critical information to understand is we get so confused with all this terminology. Basically, when I say negative charge, that's basically the same as alkalinity. If you have a battery, there's a positive and negative charge. There's about an 80-20% ratio um, electromagnetically or mag magnetically, however you want to think about that. I'm not quite an engineer, but the basic idea of the, ele the electric body is that you want an 80% alkalinity to 20%. Mm -hmm. And that's the same idea here with the negative and positive charge. Negative, when you hear negative charge, that means alkalinity. When you hear positive charge, that means acidity. So you this activated charcoal adsorbs to the surface of it a positively charged material and it helps get that stuff out of the body so the body can ultimately stay in a dominant mm -hmm. alkaline state so it can function um, the way that it needs to. We could go much deeper into that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to digress from that and, and uh, move on to the next one. You know what? A couple of things I want to mention that I've come across and would love to get your input. Uh, so for lime, I've heard benefits from essential oil diffusion, particularly of things like tea tree or things that are that help the immune system and help with clearing bacteria and things like that. So diffusing that in the space we are in. Sure, absolutely. And then I've also been experimenting with, I love activated charcoal. Like for me, that's been so beneficial um, addition to my detox lifestyle and just daily kind of regimen. And also one thing that I've been adding in is cat's claw to help with autoimmune and just just things that show up. So it helps with autoimmune, but I've also heard it's very good for Lyme or things mm. like that. Okay, cool. So there's a few things that I want to I want to respond to. Cat's claw is an incredible Amazonian tonic herb. And it's actually been used traditionally with another herb called Pau di Arco. And when you pair those two together, they're basically an incredible antibiotic and antifungal. So cat's claw has been traditionally used as an antifungal, as well as having antiviral properties and um, immunologically supportive properties, boosting the immune system. But if you have an if you have a candida-like issue or a, a fungal or mold infection going on, um, cat's claw is absolutely um, incredible for that. Um, actually, let me let me I, I just caught a let me do an autocorrect on something I just said. Powdiarco is antifungal. Cat's claw is antibacterial. Let me just make that quick switch there. Um, I haven't I haven't thought about that in over a year. 
Powdiarco, though, is antifungal. So when you pair Powdiarco and Cat's Claw together, that's a traditional combination that's been used for, you know, likely thousands of years in, in Amazonian Shipibo herbalism. So I just wanted to throw that out there because it's a cool little fun fact. Um, the activated charcoal thing, let's just talk about this a little bit further. You know, on your teeth, when you have a plaque, like plaque residue, or you have like um, gingivitis or an oral infection, you know what that is? That, that's a bacterial infection that is typically based with, a, it's based in a biofilm infection. So plaque on your teeth or in your gums is actually biofilm. One of the great ways to neutralize that is activated charcoal as a toothpaste. So one of the great, you know, it's, it's been known as a great tooth whitener and all that kind of stuff. But why is that? Because the teeth have plaque, they have discoloring agents, they have whatever's going on in the oral cavity of the mouth. There's a lot of, there's a lot of organisms in there that are breeding, especially if you, maybe you have a root canal or something, then that's definitely a, that's definitely a, an issue. Um, but using activated charcoal orally is really, really amazing. Um, I just want to make sure I mention that. And then I want to, I can't get away from, you mentioned, um, you mentioned essential oil diffusion. One of the things people need to know about detoxification is that you have four channels of elimination. When we talk about detoxification, it's a five pronged process. You have the liver, which is the only organ that actually detoxes something. So this is, this is just key to understand. The organ takes a toxin and renders it, transmutes it into something less toxic or non-toxic so it can be passed through one of the systems of elimination. And you have four organs of elimination. You have perspiration through the skin. You have defecation through the colon. You have urination through the, the kidneys, and then you have um, respiration through the lungs. So the sinus, the sinus passages in the lungs are absolutely a critical area um, because of respiration through you know, oxygenation and just detoxing. All the gunk in our air that gets caught up in our lungs, our respiratory system, which goes into our cardiovascular system. Um, so doing a diffuser, like doing some kind of essential oil protocol where you're diffusing it into the air actually is, um, it's critical. It's totally critical. I'm not going to go into like all the ins and outs because that's an entire presentation in of itself. As you know, I know that you and our mutual friend Rainbow Mars is really big into essential oil. She's going to be on the show in a week or so. We'll definitely go into that. Um, but just wanted to make that point because it's it's really really good information. Yeah, definitely. I I noticed the tremendous benefits instantly from diffusing essential oils and like helping with migraines and mood and all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And rainbows and experts thought that would be a great question to ask her. Um, I know that she did some stuff when there was fires in the area. So yeah, I think let's move on to the next question. This is a great question. Um, it has to do with somebody asked for advice on protocols around clearing food addictions. And so processes to help people clear food addictions. So let's maybe address the root mm -hmm. of food addictions or how you've helped people with addictions, particularly pertaining to food, because food is 
one of the hardest addictions to break because we can't just cut it out of our lives. It's something we need to, to, to nourish ourselves with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, this, the, this is a great topic because food is the number one addiction going. It's the number one thing people use to medicate, pacify, sedate themselves, to numb themselves from whatever spiritual, emotional, or mental, mental agitation they may be feeling in their life and not sure how to approach it. That's why you need to be a student of psychology. You need to understand your own psychology so you can, get a, you can get an accurate reflection of your own behavior. Because one of the things that comes up, and I'm a big student of Carl Jung and Sigmund Freud and Friedrich Nietzsche and Heidegger and all the great psychologists that, that really kind of bore out the field of, of cognitive um, psychology and gave us some of the greatest understandings of the human condition you got to understand that you have shadow elements built into the human condition. And those shadow elements, when they pop up, but haven't been integrated or addressed, it causes the mind to bifurcate and split. And you actually can't see your shadow when it pops up. Um, so that can show up whether you're having an emotional kind of a reaction in a relationship or something. And then you, you're, it's kind of like you get intoxicated. It's like when you drink alcohol and you, you cross that point beyond consciousness and you don't remember. It's almost like you black out and you can't remember the subpersonality that comes through and like yells or causes a ruckus or something. And your friends the next day are like, what the heck was that? Where did that come from? And you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's, that is a, a repressed shadow expression coming out, and that happens in micro moments in our life. One of the ways that I've seen it happen is, is with food addictions and drug addictions. Food is the biggest drug, really. It's the biggest drug going, especially the food people are eating because the drugs are in the food. The drugs are in the food. If you look at every fact, factory farm meat and dairy and genetically modified um, food and processed food. The, it's basically chemicals and drugs masquerading as some kind of dense food, like the, the, the meat or the fat in a factory farmed animal um, is basically, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a transportation vehicle for drugs, whether that's antibiotics, that's hormone replacement therapy, that's estrogen or testosterone injected drugs, that's, again, antibiotics, it's pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, rodenticides, insecticides, algicides, suicide-like chemicals. You guys get the point, right? Um, everything that's being spewed onto those animals or those, those crops like the wheat and the soy, which mostly genetically modified at this point, or the, the papayas or whatever. I say all that to drive the point that the food most people are eating is not actually food, it's drugs. People are taking in drugs, whether they're drinking tap water, which is basically recycled toilet water, which is all through the municipal water supply, which has up to 77,000 identifiable chemicals not to mention the, the chemotherapy and all the other recreational drugs that are coming out of the urine when people urinate and it's being recycled. And even if that water is being chemically filtered, it's homeopathically being the energy of that what's in the water because the water is a solvent and we know water takes on the energetics of whatever you put into it. The homeopathy effect is still transmitting the energetics of the toxins that are that are incubating in that water right 
So let me, so I just had to get all that out because it's been a long time that I've been able to go on a tangential like that and just and get that stuff out. So now that I've, I've gotten that out, let's address the actual question, food allergies. So what people need to know, there's five food allergies. The top five food allergies are soy, wheat, corn, dairy products, refined sugar. Those are the five top food allergies. Then you have sub food allergies like um, egg allergies, peanuts, aflatoxins, um, lentils, le the lectins, the lectin proteins that are in those foods. And then you get into the nightshades. And then you have a subset of the population that has some kind of genetic allergy or, or whatever um, that can't actually take that in. So um, it's, a little, it's a little specific, but if you understand that, then you can understand that there is also a, there's a phenomenon where people that have these food allergies keep going back to the same foods that agitate them because they actually are addicted to the foods they're allergic to. This is, this is mind-blowing um, reality that I, I became awoke to almost half a decade ago when I realized that people are actually addicted to stuff they're allergic to. So somebody's smoking on tobacco all the time. I, I saw in the, the health community and the, the conscious community, if you can't see on the podcast, I have quotation marks going on when I say that, the conscious community um, where people are puffing, you know, American spirits, puffing and puffing and puffing, like, oh, it's just sacred sacrament. It's a sacred plant. I'm just honoring the diva of the, the tobacco plant. No, you're not. You're actually addicted to a nightshade, which is what tobacco is, and it's not even chemically cured the way that tobacco should be. I'm going to digress from that. But when people are doing that all the time, it's not just an oral fixation. It's actually that they're addicted. There's, there's, a, there's a microbiotic addiction. They're actually their microbiome. There, there is a bacteria that gets produced. Um, my friend Jared, who's, who's definitely one of the world's leading experts on this subject, he, he told me that when people are doing that, there's actually a, there's like um, something like a mutation that is created in the microbiome that's your biological garden. That's the beneficial bacteria um, in the gut. There's some kind of there's some kind of mutation that occurs where people where people actually get addicted to the tobacco and, and the bacteria or the the organism the opportunistic organism signals some kind of chemical reaction that gets that person to actually do the thing. So if you think like somebody has a you know sugar craving or something, somebody is like has a carbohydrate craving and they're just craving all these processed carbohydrates or sugar. Um, or whatever the case is, it's not just a psychological thing. There are certain organisms, we call them opportunistic organisms, that pirate the consciousness of somebody and actually drive them to make certain, um, certain food or substance choices so they can feed themselves. It's like, are we craving the sugar? Are we craving the junk food? Are we craving the factory farm meat? Are we craving the, the milk and the cheese? Or is something inside of us craving it and, and basically um, signaling to our brain that we should go do that? That's the shadow thing I'm talking about. The shadow comes up. The shadow element of somebody's um, personality comes up. And the consciousness of that person checks out, even if it's temporary. They check out for five minutes. And then they, they eat a bag of chips. 
And then once the consciousness comes back on a line, the bag of chips is gone or the bag of Oreo cookies is gone. And they're like, whoa, how did that happen? Because you were in a hypnotic spell. You were watching TV or something and you didn't realize that the whole six pack of beer or the chips or the whatever, the cookies, you were actually shoveling that in your mouth and you didn't, you weren't conscious of it because your consciousness got bifurcated. It got split. So that's something everybody needs to understand. This whole, this whole conversation around addiction is multidimensional. It's multi-layered. That's why I can't just give people anymore this like straight blatant linear advice. It's like, look, if you're going to ask me a question, you got to be ready for the answer. We're going to go down the rabbit hole because I've dedicated my entire life to understanding all of this. And I, I'm not saying I fully understand it, but I definitely have gotten a handle um, on how food addictions are psychologically, emotionally, and um, uh, physically, um, you know, they're all, they're kind of intertwined. Um, I feel like I could keep going on a tangential, but I'm going to pause because it looks like you have something you want to interject. Well, I love everything you're saying. I, I think this is a really interesting topic. Um, and I love what you're talking, what you're bringing up around this shadow side and the fragmented aspects of the self and I think what you just mentioned about the person going into, someone who's struggling with addiction, going into a hypnotic state, um, being able to catch themselves in that moment right. is, is really crucial. And to do something, at least for me, what I find is when I ground in, when I'm in, getting into like a more of a habitual kind of thought, touch something, get in my body, actually say something out loud, it, it shifts the state completely yep. and can yep. help trigger someone out of that that but you got you got you got to call it out because the way that these things whether it's a it's a viral infection it's a parasite it's a it's a it's a pathogenic infection that's rooted itself into the nervous system because that's what it does it roots itself into the nervous system so it basically is like a control switch it uses the the host like a remote control and gets them to do whatever they want and by the way these infections thrive on emotional dissonance emotional <laughs> Um, trauma. They thrive on emotional toxicity. So if you're wondering why you may be in this toxic situation, it's driving your emotions in a way that you don't want them to go. You may have an infection. You may have something that's latched onto your nervous system and it's actually drawing your sympathetic state to a, in your cortisol to a hyper elevated state. That's one perspective. Um, other thing, I think oh, I feel like I lost my train of thought for a sec. Oh, yeah. So I want to give a practical piece of advice to round out this, though. Um, salt water and salt water flushing. This is super important information. People are craving salt chips or, or corn chips or whatever. And it's actually the salt that they're craving. The rest of it is just stimulating serotonin. Because when you chew on something, you actually stimulate um, serotonin in the brain. Um, and that kind of eases people, it calms people down, right? So it's actually salt water is one of the most important um, add-ons, um, and it's totally free. You know, it's actually totally free. You take one liter of water every morning, you take one-fourth um, teaspoon of sea salt, and you put that in your water, spin it up. You may even put double that amount if you need it for adrenal support, for, for nervous system stabilization, stabilization. Um, for emotional discharge, because one of the things you realize about salt, salt is helping us discharge 
toxicity um, through flushing it out of the body. It helps us actually discharge um, energetic toxicity that gets imprinted on our auric field, on our biofield. This is, this is another level of where um, alternative medicine is going, preventative medicine, which is biological, or I mean, um, bioenergetic medicine. And so our auric field is actually the field of where all our health and our vitality resides. And if the field gets broken down, if the field gets infringed upon or gets weighed down by the, the energy of the world, um, then the physical body starts to manifest symptoms and starts to get weighed down. So when you jump into, jump into the ocean, for example, you notice right away, you're like, you're clear. Like no matter what was going on, it's like you had a baptism. You're just like, okay, I'm clear. I can think straight. I'm balanced again. And it's, it's salt water. It's, it's jumping into a thing of salt water or getting into an Epsom salt bath. Like that's why this stuff works is because it discharges dirty electricity from, from the bed that you're sleeping in that's, that's, that has metal coils, which is basically a conductor for dirty electricity in our environment like Wi-Fi or electromagnetic frequencies that get stored or get concentrated in those beds, those mattresses with, wire, with um, metal coil wiring. Um, or just living the life that we live on a daily basis, being exposed to EMFs and stuff. Um, you know, that's why that kind of thing is so important. So I just want to throw that in there too, um, because the salt actually helps to balance the blood sugar. And that's one of the big things is that people are suffering from hypoglycemic roller coasters and it's, it's making them emotionally eat um, because they're trying to, they're trying to deal with their emotions. So they're actually reaching out for food to medicate that, but they don't really realize what's going on. And so the salt actually helps mineralize the body in the salt water, um, first thing in the morning and helps somebody stay balanced and clear. Um, and I've seen that be one of the most powerful things somebody can do in this situation. That was a lot. Yeah. I love everything you just mentioned because like what you said with the clearing, with getting into the ocean or some kind of salt water, a lot of times I feel like people want to self-soothe with food because it helps release the dopamine. You know, when we're chewing or eating something sweet or starchy or those kind of foods that people usually crave and go to. Or fatty, it's all kinds of like stimulant foods usually. Exactly. And so doing something to clear the energy field, that's, that's great advice. And I love what you mentioned about the salt water. Cause I know for me, like one thing that really helps with my, like keeping my appetite stable and healthy is eating mineral rich foods. Like for me particularly, I, since I've added pretty much daily green juices or some kind of superfood green powder into my diet, I've noticed that just my cravings are so much more even because it's, when we're eating mineral rich foods, it helps to fulfill those, the cravings and the, and the roots of those cravings. So if we're craving some kind of food, it may be an actual physiological need. And that's something else to consider. Are there any physiological needs that are trying to, being met, trying to be met um, through the cravings that we're having? Um, maybe there needs to be more greens in the diet. Maybe there needs to be mm -hmm. um, more more fruits in the diet, more protein in the diet. Um, like you mentioned with specific minerals, 
I add in chromium into my water sometimes, like a like a whole whole food whole food um, mineral of yep. chromium into my into my water, which you can get chromium from like broccoli or things like that, which help to balance the blood sugar, which will help to balance any kind of um, spikes in the blood sugar and cravings. Um, another thing is I think zinc helps with feeling filled, feeling full, which is found in like pumpkin seeds, things like that. And so just getting a variety of minerals through the salt water, through greens, through different whole, um, whole foods is, mm -hmm. is really crucial when it comes to food addiction. And then I love how you're going to the more spiritual and emotional side because I really think that that's where everything starts. Starts in the spiritual and the mental and the emotional, and then it comes down in the physical. And when it comes to food addiction, really taking a look at what is the trigger and what frees you from that trigger. So mm -hmm. noticing both aspects. Um, when you notice the trigger, you can start to deter your 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 lifestyle and your choices to to stop having that same trigger or become aware of what that trigger is and being able to just take a more conscious, bigger perspective when you're faced with that trigger and not turning to the addiction. And then when it comes to, um, what was I just mentioning? I, one thing that's I really wanna bring up is noticing the need that's trying to be, trying to be met. And mm -hmm. so sometimes when we have a food addiction, it might be correlation to like a childhood memory, or maybe it gives us a feeling of being connected, or maybe it gives us a feeling of um, being punished. Like some people want to, like you mentioned, they eat foods that they're, some, some people may eat foods that they're addicted to. And so, or they're allergic to. And so just noticing what need is trying to be met and try to meet that need in a healthy way. Are you trying to um, experience more joy, more diversity? How can you more spontaneity through addiction? How can you reach? How can you experience that in a different way? Or are you trying to experience more control in your life? Um, how can you take more responsibility in other areas? Um, a lot of times, once someone's already in the cycle of the addiction or in the binge or in the action of it, it's, it's already too late. There's been a trigger that would happen hours before or days before. And so it's like really being more so in a meditative state throughout, throughout our daily lives, like just really present. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are all really, really great points. And um, just on a final note of this, if somebody is trapped in food addictions or craving foods that they know are not good for them, um, I can almost guarantee that they're in more of an acid dominant state from a blood chemistry perspective and they need to go radical alkalinity. So that's why green vegetable juicing, having one big green leafy salad every day, every night, doing superfood green powders like spirulina and um, chlorella, blue green algae, marine phytoplankton, kamut grass, um, some of these incredible green superfood powders are absolutely critical because you got to get that chlorophyll into the body and re-alkalize and, and, and displace the acid, the too many acid minerals um, that are not in balance with the alkaline minerals like magnesium, calcium, 
um, manganese, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, iron, all that kind of stuff. You need to get more alkaline. And that's why when people get onto a high green based raw food diet, high in living foods, um, not raw food, raw food is a different definition than living food, something like more of like an Ann Wigmore or more like Hippocrates style, um, depending on what their condition, what, the, what they're recovering from. Um, but more green vegetable juices, more living sprouts, um, green vegetables and green powdered superfoods on top of everything that they're doing, incorporating the organic, fresh, ripe, um, water-rich fruits and things of that nature. It's basically getting onto a natural diet, getting onto a normal, natural, and unprocessed um, type of diet. And going that way, when that happens, people, it's amazing what happens to people. You've seen it. I've seen it. Our friends in the raw food world um, have seen it over the last decade. I've never seen anything help heal somebody psychologically and emotionally and physically like a living foods diet and high green vegetable juicing. Um, it, it's unlike anything else. There is, in fact, there is nothing like it because it is the foundation. It is the blueprint of what we need to thrive um, in a physical body. So I just want to add that in too. Like if you're, if you do have these addictions then replace it with an upgrade, upgrade it immediately, start drinking more green vegetable juice. It's like you have this, this potato chip craving or milk craving or whatever cheese, just start drinking more green juice, just up it, up it until that craving is no longer and no longer has hold on you. And then you eventually forget that you ever had the craving to begin with because feeling better feels better than being attached to some kind of food addiction or making a choice that you know 10 minutes or, or an hour later is going to feel, um, you, you're going to feel way down and, and lethargic. So eventually you start getting so healthy that you start to actually believe that your life is worth something more than feeling like crap. That's basically the basic idea is like you actually feel so healthy that you're like, oh my God, I want to feel good. So I'm going to stop doing the things that make me feel horrible. And that's, that's just kind of how it happens. Yeah, that's an, that would be an awesome addiction though. <laughs> just keep I'm wanting addicted, that. I'm addicted to Don't feeling the best ever. I'm addicted to feeling my absolute best. How about that as an addiction? <laughs> yeah. So I want to go into one of the next questions. We've talked a lot about water. So adding salt to water and the quality of water being, you know, tap water being filled with um, drugs and chemicals and things like that. I know that that's something that you're, what would be the right word, like connoisseur, like water connoisseur, like you go to different natural springs. And I know I have just seen you as kind of a water expert. And I, if somebody asked a question regarding spring water, do they need to filter it? So, good question. and should they be concerned about calcification? So maybe talk about spring water and quality of water. That's a, that's a super good question. Um, about five years ago, I probably would have said, no, you don't need to filter your spring water because the water that's coming out of a spring, otherwise known as the womb of the earth, that water has never, ever been contaminated. That water has never, ever seen the outer atmosphere that we breathe in every day. It's never been affected by pollution, but that's not really true anymore because this entire, this entire movement of fracking the earth has disturbed the water tables. It's disturbed the aquifers in the world. 
um, probably forever, probably beyond, um, it's probably irreparable um, beyond the technology that we're aware of. So we got to understand that um, just because we have spring water access, it doesn't mean that it hasn't been contaminated. Now, does that mean that we just go to completely distilled water or reverse osmosis or one of those things? I'm not a fan of those things for a number of reasons. We could do an entire presentation, entire podcast just on water, and maybe we should. Um, maybe we will one day. Yeah, maybe we will because it's such a deep down dug subject and something that I'm intimately connected to because as we move into the age of Aquarius, what that means is we are moving into the age where we bear the water on our back. That's what Aquarius, the age of Aquarius is, the water bearers. We're moving into that age. Like we're literally trans, cosmologically, we're moving into that. So what that means is that we're actually having to bear the water of the earth, meaning our, in the very practical sense, the water that we drink, it, it indicates that we are meant to harvest our water. We're meant to go work for our water. We're meant to seek out natural springs and source out the water that's coming from that particular ecosystem. And that's something that I've been incredibly passionate about for almost a decade. Yesterday, I was, um, yesterday, first thing in the morning, I got up and, and got my backpack and packed it with water bottles and hiked a mile up the hill to go bear the water on my back. I slipped a little bit. I was listening to a podcast. I slipped and fell into this, this big pool because we had a rainstorm the day before. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just like, I'm literally going after it. And I get there and, um, you know, it's like a meditation and I'm, I'm getting the water and I just feel the emanations, the vibrations of life force. And I'm just like, this is an act of gratitude or gratitude, gratitude, uh, gratitude practice. Just like, wow, this is absolute magic. This is the best ever. I love this. And, um, you know, when you drink that water, you can feel it when you drink spring water and you've gone and you've gone through the work of getting the water from the spring and you're drinking it, you know, you can't replicate that in some kind of ionizing machine or distillation machine. You can't, there's an energy to it. There's a homeopathic energy imprint in that water that is encoded from the, the environment that it's incubating in. And those aquifers have been there for thousands and thousands of years. So let's just let's just get that out of the way when it comes to should you drink spring water at all the answer is like obviously yes but should you filter it um if you can i would say yes now there's a few nuances about this when you go to a spring it would be advantageous of you to have a tds meter what that means is total dissolved solid so for example I have a Mountain Valley spring water um, container here. If you look at the back of it, and this is spring water. It's been, um, the only thing that they did to it, it is slightly processed. Um, this particular company out of Arkansas, it's a great replacement. It's an incredible company. I love them. But they do, um, they do phototherapy, which means that they do a little bit of light therapy to um, pasteurize any particular organisms that are living in it. So that's the only thing about it, but still great. Now, if you look at the back, there's naturally occurring um, particles, parts per million. That's the total dissolved solids. Let's see if you can see it clearly. So calcium, um, calcium, magnesium, potassium. Those are the three dominant electrolytical um, alkaline minerals on the periodic table of um, the elements. Now, the calcium is a little high. 
it's not super high. It should be more like 50 or below for like ideal water. It's not super high, but you know, it, you wouldn't want to drink this water all the time only. You'd want to, you want to cycle it out with something that's a little less in calcium. Not that big of a deal, but that's what total dissolves mean, total dissolved solids. So when you get a TDS meter and you're reading the, the total dissolved solids, you're looking for the hard mineral count. So if it shoots up like, let's say it's like 100 or 150 or 200 is really high, then you know you have water that has a high amount of calcium and or iron. And that's what you want to be aware of. And if, they, and if the answer, if the, the number, the TDS meter, the higher the number is, the, then you definitely want to filter those sedimentary particles, those heavy minerals that create hard water. Um, and you want that number to be much, much lower. So it sounds like in this question, this individual does have a white film that they're noticing. And what that is, is calcium residue. That's that. So you definitely, you definitely want to be filtering that. You want to boil, like if you're going to heat that up, you probably want to boil off the calcium residue. Um, the, way, the way that you can check your water, by the way, if you don't have a TDS meter, or that may not even be able to detect calcium organisms. So calcium forming organisms. So you get water, you get your spring water, you boil it in a, a pan or something. And as the water volatilizes and burns off and, and evaporates, then if there's a white film left over, that means there's calcium residue in there. And you definitely need to filter that stuff out for sure. And you definitely should get that TDS checked just to, just to check what the numbers are. So, um, you know, it's a little bit of a long-winded explanation to that question, but I wanted to get that off. Now, should you, what should you filter with? Well, there's a lot of people in the RO camp, the distillation camp, the ionizer camp, the alkaline water camp, um, electrifying, electrolyzing, I think is the right word, um, you know, to alkalize the water, for example, like hanging machine or something, um, to, re, to hydrogenate it, which means to make it more hydrogen-rich. Um, again, that's like a whole, that's a whole thing. But the basic thing is if you're going to do any of that, my recommendation is why would you want to filter tap water? That stuff is disgusting. That's not even water. Why would you want to put a, a filter on your, on your, um, your, your tap, your, your, uh, what I'm trying to, your piping system and then filter that water thinking you're drinking something good. Like, I'm not saying that that's that you shouldn't do that, or if you've done that, then that somehow is like um, you know something to feel bad about. That's not what I'm saying. But what I want to say is that you got a whole field of people, a whole community of people that are like anti-spring water people that are tall. You gotta just distill your water. You gotta just do RO reverse osmosis water, but they're drinking from the tap. And it's like, whoa, okay, wait a minute. If you want to distill spring water. Great. That sounds like a pretty good idea. If you want to um, do some kind of filtration um, vortexing solution to your spring water, that sounds like a really great idea. But this whole tap water consciousness is just something that I just I can't I can't tolerate. I can't entertain it because you know you see the effects that that has on the world. It's like pharmaceutical consciousness or tap water consciousness is not a good thing. So we just got to get really clear about that. But um, anyways, uh, aside from that, that tangential, um, yeah, that's what, that's how you want to, that's basically a way to kind of identify if you should be filtering your, 
your uh, spring water? And in most cases, the answer is a healthy yes, just to make sure, just to make sure that, that you're clearing it of any particular contaminants or, uh, yeah, particular particulars, par particles um, that we just kind of mentioned. So I think that answers the question uh, in more ways than one. Yeah, thank you. So someone did ask a question about adding salt and like Himalaya salt and Ormus to spring water. What's your comments on that? Well, spring water naturally will have Ormus elements in it. Ormus is orbitally rearranged monoatomic elements. Um, and that's a, that's a whole subject in of itself. But basically um, encoded in the energy of the water, the structure of the water, there are gonna be Ormus elements present in it. That's part of the magic of spring water. I guarantee tap water has no Ormus elements in it. Um, and these are basically like high attuning um, consciousness type of minerals like iridium, um, rubidium, platinum based metals. They're alchemical metals like Ormus gold, Ormus silver, Ormus um, copper, Ormus, um, uh, Ormus, um, uh, platinum, you know, iridium, whatever, all these different things. Um, and they're, they're very important nutrients that, that are not represented in nutrition circles almost at all, you know, um, and it's, it's something that's really important, but that's already going to be in spring water to begin with. Now, if you want to add um, exogenous ormus, meaning like an ormus supplement or something, um, then you know, let me just show you real quick here. I, I have one uh, that my, my good, my good friend in LA, I have, uh, let's see, I just want to show you guys this one right here. This is a CBD infused Ormus product from my, my friend um, Archer, aka the artist formerly known as Prescott Love. And this is uh, um, Ormus Now is the company. And um, I don't have my affiliate code. If you want to, uh, you can go to my website, go to products, you can easily purchase it there and get a discount by using my code. I'm not going to go into all that. You can go to my website and find that information. But this is an incredible product. This is a CBD infused Ormus. Let me just throw another one since we're here. This is a Shilajit based Ormus product, which um, basically uses the, the Ayurvedic mineral slash herb Shilajit, which is another great detoxifier. Shilajit Shilajit is known as the destroyer of weakness in um, the Vedic, Vedic medicine and herbalism. Good to know about. So I, um, hopefully I answered the question, but um, that felt like a good little, little riff, to, <laughs> riff and rant to go on. Okay, great. Well, that was great information about water. And I know there's so much more to say. And so maybe a whole... Yeah, we'll do, we'll do a whole, we can do a whole thing on it at some point. Okay. So one of the next questions is somebody asked how to get motivated to exercise, how to make exercise something they want to do instead of having to do uh -huh. because they know they have to exercise, but they don't want to. Okay. Um, well, this sounds a little bit like a, you know, um, I don't mean to be kind of sarcastic, but it's a little bit of a personal problem. You know, when, when someone's like, well, how do I, how do I do something I don't want to do? It's like, well, sometimes we have to do things we don't want to do until we want to do them. Right. So, you know, as far as exercise, the thing is with any kind of habit you're trying to change, 
you have to align it with your value system. So you have to look at like, what are my value systems right now? What do my behavior, what does my behavior indicate that I value the most, that I prioritize the most normally? What do I do on a normal basis? What are my goals? What are my aspirations? What do I want to achieve in my life? Okay, great. Now that we got clear on that, now we have to look at like, what are the habits that I'm doing that are going to support that? What are the habits that I need to let go of or I need to reroute in order to get all my ducks in a row in a singular direction so it supports my goals and my dreams? And working out will support anybody's goals and dreams because it makes you stronger. It makes you capable of dealing with resistance because you're actually doing resistance training, which is a metaphor for your physical body taking resistance so you can alchemically metamorphosize or transmute emotional and mental resistance when you have to face the physical resistance of heavy weight, for example. That's why I weight train. Um, not to mention, I like getting really strong. I like feeling like I'm an athlete. I was, I'm born and bred, raised elite athlete. So, I mean, it's built into me. But I don't always want to go work out. I'd rather read. I'd rather write my book. I'd rather do stuff like this. But it's like sometimes I have to work out. You see how much energy I have. Like I'm, we're, we're, we're warming up. We could do this for another three hours right now. That's how I feel. But it's not for nothing. It's not for no reason. It's because I train, I train to be able to have the endurance to be able to speak on a stage for three or four hours or in front of an audience or to be able to do coaching calls for hours or to be able to do podcasts nonstop and interview people or be interviewed. You know, the other day I was doing, I did three back-to-back -back interviews for, for three different podcasts and each one of them was a completely different subject. And I just, I just found this energy. I'm just like, da, 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 da. you know, I'm able to, to power through um, and that was like at seven o'clock in the morning, by the way. So, um, you know, and it's, it's because it's not just mental power. It's not just my attitude. It's my, it's my attitude to do the things I don't want to do that are going to strengthen me to make me more capable to endure the marathon of life. And if you have any real goals or dreams, you know, you're going to, it's a marathon. You're going to have to train for it. You're going to have to be mentally, emotionally, and physically capable of enduring um, certain situations that, that um, a less incapable or a less prepared individual would not be able to do. And I think getting in our body, getting out of our head and getting into our body is one of the most important um, skills of our time. It's raining right now. That's nice. Um, it's one of the most important, it's one of the most important attributes of our time because we live in a hyper intellectualized, rational um, you know, technological, materialistic type of world right now, and people are disembodied, and they're, they're literally struggling and suffering from mental neurosis because they're not connected to their body. And so you got it. the way to shift that internal suffering and then existential angst is to get into your body, and it's like, go for a run, go to the weights, hire a trainer, um, go to your yoga class, whatever it is for you to get in your body, um, and to get that that feeling of like power, that feeling of like motivation inside of you, um, it's absolutely critical. Nobody can get around it at this point. We all need to get in our body more than not. And um, working out is one of the ways to do it. So, you know, if that doesn't motivate you, then 
I don't know. I actually don't know what to do for you. Like I can't make somebody do, I can't turn on a switch and, and somebody wanting to do something um, out of the blue. You have to line up your values, your intrinsic values that make you who you are. And you have to look at your behavior and, and how you're prioritizing your time. And you have to be honest with yourself. Am I using my time wisely? And is it leading me towards my goal? Or am I, um, am I, uh, you know, am I lying to myself? Am I playing a game with myself? Am I fulfilling as much? Am I getting as much of my human potential out as I could? Or am I dragging a little bit? You got to, you just got to be realistic. And the way to actually, um, the way to get into it, if you're feeling like, well, I don't know where to start, hire a trainer. That's the, the, right there. Hire a trainer, even if it's like maybe not the best trainer, but it's somebody that's better than you, somebody that knows more than you. Go to your local gym and just just be like, look, I don't know where to start, or I have these goals, or let them know where you're at, and um, you know, let somebody help you, let somebody guide you through, and then take it take it from there. That's great advice. So looking at your values and making sure that there's no like conflicting values or um, desires in that. So it's like, you may want to get in shape, but you also don't want to. So figuring that out on a personal, personal basis. And like what you mentioned, find what, for someone who wants to work out, but does not motivate themselves, find what really, find the type of movement that you really enjoy. So it's really about just like, you like dance, do you like yoga? And like you mentioned, hiring someone, because a lot of times when we pay someone or pay for a class, it could be even like a Groupon, doesn't have to be like super expensive. That kind of triggers the motivation. Getting in a group setting kind of also helps us to push beyond our own limits. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's good advice. And, and keeping it simple, because any movement is movement. So getting on the rebounder for 15 minutes, going on like a three mile just walk in nature, that just doing things to start progressively adding more movement in then will help to build the strength and motivation to, to add more exercise. Yep. It's, it's just about momentum. It's just starting, starting where you're at and building up momentum and being consistent and sticking with it and following through on your word to yourself and uh, being accountable to what you say you're going to do. And, and um, you know, you build momentum and once you have momentum, then you're flying. You don't need somebody else to push you or prod you. You can, you can um, take the take the wheel from there. How much? How much? How are we doing on time? I am actually not sure how long we've been going. So it looks like we've probably been going a little bit over. Um, and these these videos are meant to be about uh, sixty minutes or so. Um, we could go if there's one more question or something. I'd be happy to to. Uh, Maybe dive into one more before we cut out. I'll, I'll ask one more question and we can just touch on it and we can also go further into in another session. Sure. Um, the next question, we've mentioned the adrenals when it comes to adding salt water, salt into the water. And I know that just many people are struggling with like adrenal fatigue and things like that from lights and stimulus and just the lifestyle that typical person's living. So I want to know what are some best ways to nourish and restore the adrenals? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say, well, this can be pretty in depth um, without going into a whole thing because there is a whole um, 
HP axis perspective, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal thyroidal axis. The thyroid and the adrenals are a feedback loop to one another. So they also, that also has its part to play. It has to be considered um, making sure somebody is sufficient in iodine and um, things of that nature is that will power the adrenals um, indirectly. Salt water, salt water again, because your, your adrenals actually run on sodium. They run on sodium, your heart runs on magnesium and potassium. Um, and so that's a pretty interesting thing to know about. If you have an adrenal issue, drinking salt water throughout the day is so important. That's so important. That's why most people are, are binging on potato chips. Um, because they don't realize it, but their their body is screaming. Or like if you get into raw food and you start eating those like sun dried olives and it and they're salted, it's like it's you know because you're getting you're getting the incredible fat and protein from it, but you're also getting a good amount of salt and the the olive oil, which is very therapeutic as well. So you know, just salt water. You know, doing doing salt water throughout the day, and you don't have to do a lot, but getting a pinch. Every, every, um, you know, if you're going to drink eight glasses of water a day or whatever, then every glass have a little pinch of it if you're really feeling weighed down and tired. And then you got to look at your sleep quality. You got to look at your circadian rhythms. How are you operating your day? Because in order to get proper sleep, it's dependent on your activities throughout the day. It's not just about the time you go to sleep. It's about how you go throughout your day. It's your waking cycle and how you get up in the morning and what your routine is. Do you hyperstimulate yourself in the morning or do you slowly start to get into the day? Do you meditate? Do you read? Do you journal? Do you drink your water in the morning? Do you slowly let your nervous system acclimate to, to, to external stimulus and then let it kind of go from there? Or are you just in a rush to get going? That's going to be depleting right out the gate. And then um, having to do with the hormone balance of our cortisol and our adrenaline that's really important because if we work out too late at night, we hyper drive, we drive up our cortisol, which is important to have at a particular point in the day. And between, I think between like 10 and 12 um, noon is when our cortisol should be at its peak. And that's a good thing. That's when we're like focused, we're alert, we're working out, we're, you know, we're really, we're really driven and energetic. But if that cortisol is up at like five, six, or seven at night, then that can be very problematic for getting um, really deep, rapid eye movement sleep, which is REM sleep, which is when we're in our deep sleep cycle, and we can get into like a, a lucid state of sleep. We can get into things like remote viewing if you go down that rabbit hole. You can't do that if you're if you're barely able to tap into those those conscious layers. Um, which are based on your your sleep cycle, your ability to relax completely and go into sleep, proper sleep. So working out earlier in the day has been something I've told a lot of people, which has been very effective um, because then the hormones, you exhaust that cortisol, you mobilize it, and then your other hormones that are down-regulating the stress system and keeping you balanced and modulated um, are more dominant. And then you're just in an overall state of harmony and happiness. And you're just like relaxed and calm. And you're like, great, I love everything. Everything's great. And then you go to sleep because you're more grateful. A lot of times people cannot get to sleep because the, the thoughts they're thinking are keeping them up at night and they're, they're, things are eating away at them. And there's a lack of appreciation in their life. 
And, um, you know, that can be worked out by just how you go about your day and how you structure your activities of your day. And that's lifestyle design. So that I would say those are the most relevant things. There's all kinds of other things, but I'd say for most people, those are the dominant issues they're facing. Wonderful. Yeah. Some great little advice for helping with the adrenals. And I look forward to getting into that more in another session. And so I just want to say thank you, Ronnie, for this amazing content. And yeah, so if you want to learn more, you can go to RonnieLandis.net. And this is Ronnie Landis um, with the Holistic Human Optimization Show. And I'm Christina Rendon. I'm co-hosting the question and answer portion. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I know some of you submitted questions on this live, and I will go through them and add them for a future question and answer. And if you're watching this recorded, if you, have, if you want to submit any questions, you could submit them below in the comments, and I'll be sure to add them in. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, it's a total pleasure. I always love talking to you, and I appreciate you taking the time. And diving in and we're going to be doing this kind of thing um either twice a month or once a month um we'll see with the other bulk of um interviews that are being done for the podcast we're taking everything to another level and um probably be about two to three live interviews every week you know just because it's just like uh, it's just like coming in so strongly and with with some of the greatest thinkers on the planet i'm super excited for everybody um and for myself with this new platform so that's something to look forward to. I want to mention too, for everyone listening, tuning in, um, whether you're listening on the podcast, you're listening to this on YouTube, or you're listening to it on Facebook Live, my Holistic Health Mastery Program, which is my Holistic Nutrition Certification course, we have just enrolled almost 50 new students in the last 45 days. And I'm super stoked about that. We have almost 250, maybe more students from over 10 countries in the world in this program. And you can find more information about it at holistichealthmastery.com. But what I wanted to share with all of you tuning in live is that for about, I think about until, I haven't determined the date, but let's just say for the month of February, I am making a special offer for everyone that wants to jump on this and enroll into the program at a significant discount. I'm offering the entire program for over 50% off for people that are particularly referred to me through one of these mediums. Um, so the program right now is $555.55. You get lifetime access to the entire program. There's over 55 bonus videos on top of the 70 video curriculum for the certification test. We do monthly coaching calls in our private student community. The value is absurd. It's amazing. And the program's normally $1,250 minimum. So I just want to put that out there for anyone that's feeling inspired to take their life, take their nutrition, take their health, and take their coaching a practice if that's what they're doing to a completely new level that offer is on the table just leave a comment below in this facebook um uh thread if you're listening to this from here and you want more information or you want to enroll right now send me a private message or you can email me at ronnie r-o-n-n-i-e at holistichealthmastery.com 
and um, I can get you set up from there. So I just want to throw that out there just so everyone knows if they want to go a lot further into all of this, there is an opportunity for them. Thank you. Yeah, I went through that program. It's amazing. And being a part of the community is also really great. Mm -hmm. An amazing opportunity. All right. Well, thank you so much, Christina and everybody tuning in. And we will see you on the next, um, the next episode of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. Bye.